companies are typically in a business as usual mindset of use it, throw it away, get another one. You know, you and I could spend half an hour on a call. I'm trying to convince you that we're amazing. Our product, same as new, but still in the back of your head, you've got an image of a scratched laptop with uh, secondhand dirty fingerprints and someone else's hair in the keyboard, <laughs> right? You're listening to Green Business with Impact. Your host is Jasper Steinhausen. IT equipment is a clear example of products that we all need and use on a daily basis and that are undergoing rapid development. We all know the experience of a computer, a phone, or some other device that no longer can live up to the demands and needs in some way. And I bet most of you also know the feeling of wanting the newer, perhaps smarter, or faster, or simply the latest model of some kind of IT. At the same time, we all know that creating such IT equipment has a significant negative footprint, minerals, water, copper footprint, etc. And buying it also costs a lot of money. But there is another way, a smarter way, I would say, that constitutes an alternative to the traditional way of buying IT equipment. On the podcast today, I have the pleasure of one of the key persons in this field here in Europe, namely Conrad Moore from Circular Computing in the UK. Conrad Moore is one of the founders of Circular Computing, which is the world's first company to sell remanufactured laptops with the same warranties and qualities as brand new ones. I've known Conrad for a couple of years now, and I know that today we're in for another great example of how circular business creates multiple wins. And there will be lots of transferable insights and learnings here, also outside of the IT sector. So get ready for an interesting conversation with Conrad Moore from Circular Computing. So, Conrad, um, thank you so much for joining me here today. I've been really looking forward to uh, to this chat. I would like you to to start just telling us all a little bit about your experience with circular economy in a in a business context, especially. Firstly, thank you very much for for having me. I'm super excited to be here as well as part of your podcast. It's the first one I've done, so hopefully we can make this interesting, and hopefully everyone can learn uh, a little bit after this. So in the context of uh, circular economy and why are we here, um, we got here really from a, uh, an idea that was born many years ago, probably around 2014, uh, by the founder of the company, Rob Neal. And we were going through this cycle of purchasing 10,000 laptops from big company in Europe every three years. And our idea was, why can't they keep using these for longer than just three years you know what is preventing companies from extending the use of their it technically there's no reason why these laptops couldn't continue performing um, but i think that the fundamental thing is after three years or four years laptops are getting worn out um, you know cosmetically they're getting damaged or the warranty may have run out and companies are typically in a business as usual mindset of use it throw it away, get another one, brand new one. And this cycle of take, make, waste and doing this in 200 million units a year from HP Dell Lenovo 
uh, doesn't have a positive ending for anyone because we're running out of the uh, we're running out of the precious natural resources that we have to dig up out of the ground as a big carbon footprint and a big water footprint. So our concept really was to think about how do we prolong the life of the IT that is out there that has already been made and already has been built, and we do that through uh, a new innovative idea and a concept called remanufacturing, and which is very different to refurbishing, which you or I could do. Remanufacturing is this really intensive industrial process, according to some standards uh, by an uh, organization called BSI and something called BS seven, which guarantees product to be equal to new. So our concept really is taking a three-year-old product, remanufacturing it in our facility, and giving it back to the same companies. Uh, and we are doing this now, built a factory, and we're doing this now in quantities of tens of thousands per month uh, that we're now distributing, mainly into the public sector that value the kind of a circular, sustainable way of procurement uh, as opposed to the traditional uh, buy new, use it, throw it away, buy new, use it, throw it away, uh, business as usual process. One of the things I really like about uh, about your your model and the way you do it is that you basically don't disrupt the model, the business as usual, too much because it's still the same cycle. You still have the same budgetary approach. You still have those three years. You have your warranties. You have your now it's worn out. It's not nice anymore. You say cosmetic and so on. So you basically solve the same problem, but just with a a different solution, right? And more interesting, both financial and, and economic uh, profiles of it, right? Yeah, so, so our, our concept really is that we are an alternative to new. And companies that want to buy new, there is definitely a use case for people to continue buying new. Um, and you might need a high, a really high mobility laptop or something that's really thin and light. Um, you know, but most office users don't need that. And most laptops now are docked. They remain docked at home or in the office and you just, you, you turn up, plug it in and you go home, plug it in. And those are the kind of, that's kind of normal nowadays because of uh, COVID. So our customers are really focused on trying to save money and also very interested in uh, aligning to their own sustainability values. And maybe before we came, they weren't really quite sure how to align IT with sustainability. So so how can you do that? What does it, I mean, what would be the difference if I shop with you guys or I go to ATP directly or, you know, through some of their channels and buy a new, what, what sort of the financial and, and, and environmental differences? I think first of all, the OEMs, HP, Dell, Lenovo in particular are all doing really well in their own way to try and be more sustainable. And they're listening to their customers. You know, they really have their ears open because the customers are demanding more sustainable products. And you can see that with um, some of the models that are being released or some of the programs that are coming down the line through the OEMs. Plus, they're, they're coming to the market with new innovations, which is great. So I think the OEMs are doing really well. From our point of view, if you're buying one of our products, the business benefits would be you can save between 20 and 40% against a like-for-like -like equivalent cost of new. Um, our products are all carbon neutral, and that means the customers get to report 
316 kilos of CO2 avoided in their Scope 3 reporting. For each single laptop they purchase uh, from us or one of our reseller partners in Europe, we also have a social investment scheme that we make um, in India and Africa. And we do that by planting five trees for every laptop that we produce. And that, that's more of a social conscious um, effort from our side. It's not something that, that we're forcing anyone to do. It's more, how can we do better as a business? Our ethos really is trying to do good as well as do good business. And we don't believe you can have a long-term environmental strategy without having to pay for it, you know, without being able to pay for it. So we're a commercial organization. We're not trying to say we're Greenpeace, but we are coming with a very sustainable and circular solution, which will help people, you know, from a strategic procurement point of view, align with their company's own sustainability goals. What difference does it make, if any, for you when you go out and approach a potential customer that you're solving their main problem, the fact that they need new IT equipment, but at the same time, it's also a significantly better environmental solution? I think it depends on the customer that you speak to. So broadly speaking, in general, customers typically fall into different sections. One is, I really care about the environment. I want to do better. And I genuinely believe that. And the organization I work for, the ethos and the DNA of this organization is that we must do better in society and we must do better in the environment. And for these organizations who truly believe that they must do better, then of course, coming to them with a business proposition that saves them money and that they can get the IT they need with same as new quality, the same as new warranty, and we can make sure the business case is stacking up for these companies and also aligns really strongly with their own values and their own purpose. Uh, then all of the carbon, waste and water savings, the environmental benefits that come along with reuse, and it's not just our products, but if we can help people extend the life of what they've got already, and we can make a difference, then these people are really engaged and, and you know, super excited and everyone gets uh, enthusiastic about working with us on these projects. But there are a lot of companies that don't walk the talk, as it were. You know, they'll have a statement on their website. They'll have someone who's really high-powered from a CSR point of view. They'll make very nice reports at their end of year. Um, they may be even doing, you know, science-based targets or... CDP, and they'll just be ticking boxes in, in their organizations. But I think in the future, and I've heard this from HP and I've heard this from Dell, if you're looking into the future, we will run out of all of the things that we need. We'll run out of the electronic components we need to make our future electronic products. And both HP and Dell have said we can see a future where we will not sell you a brand new computer unless you give us a second-hand one in exchange because we need to take the second-hand one, disassemble the laptop for its component parts and put those components back into our supply chain so we can make new products. All we're doing is we're a bridge to that future. So I think it's going to be quite interesting in the next five years, I would say, 
that this business as usual mentality I can see rapidly changing. Change is always difficult, right? So when you're used to doing something and it just works, why should you change, right? So the people that are coming to our door today, they're really falling into two categories. Um, companies that have a budget, which is driving an, a different way of thinking. Hey, you know, I can't afford to buy new anymore. I need to get. I need to think of a different way of my of procuring or using my IT. What is that? And then a lot of them find us for for that reason because they're trying to save money. And then there's the sustainability um, argument, which is very strong. I would say that quite surprisingly, I'd like to share who it was, but uh, we had a a very large French company uh, come to us two weeks ago. And they have an IT estate of 10,000 laptops. And they are asking us, is it possible for us to remanufacture the existing IT they have, the existing laptop estate they have, to help them keep them going for another three years? So this is called remanufacturing as a service. And this is a program also now we're offering to companies. And this is really interesting for companies if they have money um, or not money. So instead of trying to sell brand new laptops or remanufactured laptops to people, we're helping um, companies with an existing aging laptop estate prolong the life of their existing laptop estate. They can save a lot of money. I mean, the cost is, you know, a couple of hundred euros versus buying new for 800, for example. They can save a lot of money uh, and they can be really sustainable in, in that um the use thinking in that circularity thinking so and and i'm quite surprised i suppose about how mature the thinking is from some big enterprise companies who are you know it just seems like there's a different change at the moment happening whether you have money or not everyone's trying to do better uh, than they did you know business leaders are really they're also struggling to find ways to sort of do something meaningful. Uh, and, and a lot of people are starting to see, well, perhaps you know, perhaps some of this should come from our supplier side. Uh, and the example you mentioned here, I think is also, it will be a really strong signal to the employees, right? Because you, you give me your laptop <laughs> and I give you one that's actually the same. It might just come from, from the guy down at second floor instead, because it's been, it's been around and now it, it, it has this your no-go on it with circular computing, so telling that startup so it's also a clear piece of communication. So again, stacking the value, right? So it's cheaper, it's greener, it's good to communicate your internal values, showing that you're actually not just talking, but acting, and it has the environmental benefits as well. So it's it's a win-win-win-win or something. Well, how many we can get up to that? It, it, it is it is very much. I think, I think there is also a, an argument to say, let, let's not be naive with the users in a lot in any organization the users of it give the it guys a lot of trouble all the time the it teams are always the bad guys right so if you if something doesn't work you know the users are the first to blame the it and the it team hey you got me the wrong product it's not working it's too slow it doesn't you know our teams doesn't when it work we never we never appreciate it right? no it's just exactly it's, 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 it's what it's supposed to right you don't even think about it when you work you only think when it doesn't yeah so so i think i think suppliers of it 
uh, generally don't consider that, that those problems at the IT team. Normally it's just, here's my product, here's my price, here's the warranty solution. You can have it in six weeks, done, right? End of story. No one thinks, okay, what happens afterwards? So customer service, actually, I think is the one missing part that people don't necessarily focus too much on. For example, I had a call on Friday. We're not perfect, by the way. So, you know, we don't tend to be perfect. I think um, it'd be naive to say that we get it right all the time. We make mistakes. And on Friday, I had a meeting with a customer that has 500 of our laptops and they had a slightly higher than normal failure rate, I think, on batteries, which we identified what the problem was. We gave them a whole load of free batteries and everyone's happy. So no, no problem at all. But on that call, the IT guys were so complimentary of our customer service. You know, they were they were apologizing almost for like, hey, Conrad, you know, we're sorry to complain, but I have to say, you're right, your team has been brilliant. Um, you know, the service has been fantastic. It's like nothing we've ever experienced before. You've really made a difference. And it, you've helped us uh, deliver quick solutions to the users, to our users, so they, they don't have any downtime and, you know, just... And, and they kept repeating how important it was to deliver a really good end user experience um, to to their users. And I think that's what a lot of a lot of companies selling brand new product don't necessarily understand that part of it. Time and time again, I hear from the IT guys, it's not that we don't want to buy from you. But what we're worried about is what our users will say if it goes wrong or if we if we get a higher than normal rate of customer service tickets internally, you know, because we just don't want to we don't want to have a queue of people at the door of the IT team technicians saying, hey, my my product doesn't work. Can you help me? RMA rate, I'm just doing some statistics on this, is 1.8% over the last 24 months. So after analyzing thousands and thousands of sales of our products into all of our customers, um, we have a really super low RMA rate, which is very aligned to that. And what is that? What would that be compared to a, to somebody else? I mean, one point eight can be hard for people to understand. Is that high or low? Or it's very comparable. Yeah, it, yeah, uh, uh, of course. Well, anyone on the call probably would have different different arguments, different conversations, and it does depend on different models. Uh, but typically that's very aligned to breadth to that of new. So, you know, between one and 2% is normally an accepted um, understanding of, yeah, that's about right. That's what we would experience. And over time, um, you'll have, typically you'll have the failure rates going up because fans, you know, in, in any situation, but for the last two years, 1.8%, um, as an RMA rate is really low, in my opinion. What kind of mindset do you think is needed to sort of get from the traditional linear approach and into what led you to drive and start your business and and, and grow it like you do today? I think you've asked some really good questions. Um, the quick answer is we don't have a hundred million euros to spend on marketing to tell everyone that we exist. I think so fundamentally we have that uh, going against us. Uh, we're very strong in certain European countries. 
where we have good partnership relations and we're focused very much in public procurement, um, SME, and we are doing quite well now in some enterprise uh, customers uh, for the remanufacturing as a service uh, value proposition. And I think that it will become business as usual, but I think change takes time. And the mentality, and whenever it is you're doing change, you're moving from one model to another, it takes months and sometimes years for people to accept that in their psyche. For Don't forget, uh, for the last 30 years, um, Microsoft and Intel have been telling us we have to upgrade every 18 months because unless we upgrade every 18 months, we're going to be left behind or there's a security update problem or the performance is an issue. And we've been fed this now uh, in a very linear way of consumption and thinking for so many years, not just in our business life, but in our daily lives as consumers, we always want the latest iPhone from Apple. Oh, you've got to have the latest. It's got four cameras. It's got eight cameras. It's like, I don't know, some other reason why. And this this behavior is very difficult to break and it's very difficult to change. So change takes time. So one is a question of education. Uh, two is just really trying to change. Uh, going through that is it, it, kind of hard psychologically. But once you do make the change, you realize it's not that bad after all. Uh, the world's not going to end. It worked out pretty well, actually. We saved a whole bunch of money. We planted thousands of trees. We saved a load of carbon, waste, and water. And actually, it's done a really good thing for the environment. And what is really good to see is that the OEMs now are starting to think in, in this way, too. Albert Einstein famously said, we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created them. So, if you want to change your business and make it thrive while making the world a better place, you need to think differently than when running a business in the traditional way. You need the right mindset. With that in place, everything else gets easier. To help you, I've created a simple self-assessment tool for you to score your current mindset and give you inputs on how you can improve it. It's free of charge. It takes less than three minutes to complete, and you can access it by going to greenprofit.scoreapp.com. Uh, by the way, in America, this has been going for years in America and Canada. So that I would say they're five years ahead of us. And I would say most big companies are buying refurbished IT or remanufactured IT of some description of servers. I mean, Google, for example, and they're saving hundreds of millions a year. So there's a business reason to do it uh, as as well as the environmental reasons. And, you know, I, I think I think we're there. It's just not business as usual yet. Right. And and I think not to not to labor this point too much, but public procurement will change that. Because if you look at standards like, for example, TCO, uh, TCO is uh, the standards from Sweden. Uh, they that they're creating these sustainable IT standards. And the reason they're doing it is because the public procurement buyers are asking for these sustainability criteria in their procurement framework tenders. Then what happens next is HBDL Lenovo have to align to those standards, otherwise they're not going to sell anything to the buyers. So 
because the buyers are controlling the money and money is controlling the market, that will create behavioral change within the supply chain. And where we're trying to help decarbonize the supply chain, that will happen at the public procurement end and will come back in through the channel. And, and I think that will only benefit everyone. So I can only applaud anyone who is thinking to procure more sustainably, to think about a more sustainable procurement strategy for their IT, because even if it is in one unit or 10,000 units, you are making a difference. And, and I think the coming back to your, your early, the, the whole point, why doesn't everyone know about it? It will happen. But everyone has to do something, even if it's a small thing. And then they have to tell other people about it and, and celebrate the success that actually has within that organization. And when you can communicate that out, everyone will then amplify the good that delivering a more sustainable procurement strategy will actually have. And then it becomes a little bit more business as usual, as opposed to this is really different and this has got this is risky and I'm not quite sure about it. Because when everyone is doing it, everyone in the market should be uh, more comfortable about accepting it. You mentioned communication, right? So, and I think also these connects, right? So how do you actually communicate about what you do? both in terms of sort of direct in sales, but also in the broader marketing and, and creating awareness about your brand? Well, the sales journey typically looks like get the customer a sample and get them as quickly as possible. Just get a sample into their hands because no one can believe we do what we do. Right? That's point number one. Seeing is believing 100%. You know, you and I could spend half an hour on a call. I'm trying to convince you that we're amazing. Our product's the same as new, but still in the back of your head, you've got an image of a scratched laptop with uh, secondhand dirty fingerprints and someone else's hair in the keyboard, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and we get the same reaction every single time. Someone goes, uh, hey, I got your sample laptop. It looks like new. I'm like, I, I told you it looks like new. I'm you've got a certified standard. That's what remanufacturing is. Yeah, but it really looks like new. I said, why are you still so surprised? <laughs> and it's the same reaction every single time. Seeing is believing. So getting product into the hands of customers is like the most important thing. And we send out hundreds of samples on 30-day evaluations. So um, IT teams can socialize that with their management team get buy-in from the management team, get buy-in from the CSR team, get buy-in from the users. We do uh, proof of concept studies within large organizations. I think we've just finished one in Germany where we delivered 20 laptops to end users uh, within a large uh, pharmaceuticals company. And we then do all of the survey monkey um, with the end users. Uh, what did he think? Did it look like new? Did it perform exactly as you needed? And we're getting really good results and really good feedback. Like, no different to new, really happy with it. Thank you very much. And then we have, we have to prove the performance argument. Does it deliver the IT performance that you need in your organization? And for this, on that particular case, we're using some software from a company called NextThink, uh, which is a performance analytics software company as opposed to using benchmark software. Benchmark software tools is okay to give you a, 
you know, is this megahertz slightly faster than this one? But it actually doesn't give you real performance metrics. And some something like Nextlink gives you a digital user experience score. And this score is from 1 to 10. And it's like, what's your internet experience? What's your app experience? What's your, you know, how fast does your laptop boot up as opposed to, and it compares your experience across um, the whole estate. And when we're benchmarking our laptops uh, within enterprise estates, we're scoring the same or higher, more or less, uh, than the existing than the existing IT. And do you know what's really funny? For anyone here listening, okay, saying, oh, and it, they have lots of, there'll be, I guarantee you, there'll be a lot of IT guys here listening. Yeah, no, I don't believe it. I can't do it. Well, you know what? I challenge you. Come to my website, go to inquiries at circularcomputing.com, send us an email, ask for a sample, I'll get you a free sample, you can test it on your IT network, and then you can tell me why it won't work for you. You know, I'm challenging everyone here to tell me why we won't work, right? So why wouldn't you want to save money and be more sustainable? Of course you would. Now, let's prove it. So getting laptops into people's hands just to prove it is really important for me. I really like how you frame this because I always go out and tell it's not really about the fact that it's greener, it's the fact that it's better, right? I think you proved this very solidly several times throughout our conversation, yeah, right? That it's cheaper, it's more reliable, it's faster, it's blah, 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 it's all there and it's greener, right? So we don't circular economy solutions. The reasons why they're great is not the fact that they're greener, it's the fact that they're better. I would prefer not to sell laptops to people, right? I know this is really crazy. I Please don't buy my laptops. Please do not buy my laptops unless you have absolutely done everything possible to keep the laptops that you already have in use for as long as possible through repairing, refurbishing, remanufacturing, whatever it is, you don't need new laptops. You know, typically most people just you know, you can keep what you have going for another three years. There are ways around it. You can help save your company money and you can be a lot more sustainable if you're just thinking a little bit more differently than, oh, three years or four years, throw it away, get get new stuff, whether it's from me or someone else. What would be, for, for people that are not in IT, what would be a, I mean, if, if I buy a, a new laptop today, Right. How long would you say this could live up to standard requirements of a, whatever you would call it, a, a normal unit, a normal user in, in, a, in a business setting, public or private, doesn't matter. Yeah. So let, let's be realistic. Um, it depends on who you are. I'm a personal user as well as a company user. So my personal laptop is 13 years old. 13. One, one three. Yeah. Yeah. It's 13 years old. And that's what I use at home. And I have another one in, in the, I have a different laptop in the office. I have to be honest, I was just saying to my colleagues earlier, the one I have at home actually performs better uh, than the one I have in the office. And I don't know why that is. Uh, it has 16 gig, two five. I upgraded the memory, upgraded the SSD, has a new operating system on it, but it performs just fine for me. Now, 
do I expect from a work or you, you know, a company perspective that companies are going to buy 13 year old IT? Of course I'm not. I'm not suggesting that is the case. But the question you're asking me is how long you can use IT for. My answer is it depends on the use case. So if you have users that have a high mobility requirement, or if you have users that are developers, or if you have users that are VIPs, then each one of these user personas will have a different IT requirement. I, I would say that in general, standard office users that we typically appeal to, which makes up 80% of all laptop sales, you know, people in the office, you know, these guys, they can use five to seven year old IT and it will perform and deliver exactly the same as what a brand new laptop would do. They might, they might not even know if you don't tell them. It, it, they wouldn't know. Do you know, it's funny. Um, and again, anyone who's listening here, what laptop do you have quickly? You know, what's your specification? You know, what Intel generation is it? How much memory has it got? Most of the people listening will be scrabbling around to go, oh, what's the model number of my laptop? I don't know what it is. I can see Core i5, but I don't know if it's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 4. Or, you know, people will not, they just generally don't know what they have. They just know it works or it doesn't work. It performs well or it doesn't perform well. These are kind of the quite binary <laughs> binary things. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think I think as long as we're delivering a product that meets the needs of the users, expectations of the users and with the IT department looks the same as new performs the same as new and comes with a really good warranty our warranty is typically an advanced replacement warranty then everyone's going to be happy especially if they're saving a whole bunch of money and that aligns with their own sustainability values if we look out to the world uh, go to any new site basically any day and you will have somewhere a story about how the world's going to hell right so either it's a climate change or it's resources or it's chemicals or it's yeah, something 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 and even once in a while there is also somebody talking you know one of the reasons is we just have this overconsumption pattern where we just and as you said yourself it's just sort of built in every three years you get a new one right <laughs> But as you say, as, as long as it actually works, right? So some of, one of the key things, I guess, is that it's about extending the life of what we have to make sure that it delivers according to the needs that we are meeting, right? So very often people think that, well, if it's sustainable, it has to be less something, right? We have to, we're avoiding something. We have to give, give up on something. But I think, again, here's another really clear example of you don't have to give up on anything. Here's where it changes. It changes when the OEMs or Microsoft uh, decide to stop supporting the product. And I think everyone here would recognize that uh, from an app, Apple iPhone perspective, let's just break this down and make this really, you know, something everyone would understand, whether you've got an iPhone or, or Samsung Galaxy, whatever. If the software stops being supported, your phone's going to be useless at some point. And it won't stop working, but what you'll find is the apps on the phone will stop being compatible with the phone because the app, the people that make the apps will stop making it to be compatible with that level of software. With the older version, exactly, yeah. Correct. And that's what annoys me and frustrates me. I, I'm not the technical guy working for Apple or uh, HP Dell, Lenovo, Microsoft, all these companies. 
that will have really good arguments as to why they can't update older firmware or keep the older firmware going. Hey, it costs me millions. You know, I haven't got a business case to do that. But the actual reality is if they did keep things going for longer, they wouldn't sell so much new stuff, right? So the, the single biggest thing I would say today that would help the future, we are all people on this planet and we all have to be responsible citizens. And yes, we're all working for companies and we need to pay our mortgages and we have families to support. However, we do need to start thinking in a wider context. You know, what can I do to help everyone tomorrow? And that would be extending the life of support on firmware and software for as long as possible. Because if you don't, you're going to cause a huge amount of heat waste, huge amount of carbon, huge amount of waste of water as a result. One example would be Microsoft's decision to uh, deliver end-of-life support for Windows 10 in October 2025. Microsoft said, Windows 10 is forever. No more changes. Don't worry about it, guys. You can, you can rely on us and standardize on Windows 10 and, and you'll be fine. So what did everyone do? Well, we upgrade from Windows 7 to Windows 10, thinking that our devices are going to have a long life cycle and companies have invested billions in buying hardware, uh, only to then be told a few years down the road, yeah, we changed our mind. Windows 11 now, October 2025, you're going to have to throw away all your Windows 10 devices and upgrade to Windows 11. That is 1 billion computers. 1 billion computers globally today will now become end of life in October 2025. 1 billion. Now, that is like, I can't even imagine the amount of e-waste issues going to be created as a result of that one decision from Microsoft. Now, it doesn't mean to say that those computers will stop working and they won't have any value because Windows 10 will still continue on to work. It just, you're not going to be able to use those devices in an enterprise environment or a normal business environment because you need Windows 11. You need to be supported on firmware. But there's no reason why they couldn't have made Windows 11 compatible with older devices, right? It just isn't. And unfortunately, these decisions, which they made for, I'm sure, really good reasons, have far-reaching consequences that the rest of us, in fact, all citizens in, in, in this world, have to... Um, have to put up with, unfortunately, you know, the decisions outside our control. And it's going to cause a big problem. It's a massive, massive wave of e-waste coming down the line because everyone is going to have to upgrade. I think here you're at the core of the, when we talk about a green transition, right? Why it is a green transition to from a linear to a circular, because it's it will mean a different business model, right? Because how do you ensure that next wave of profitable business? Well, as you say, one of the tricks could be to introduce a new version, meaning that all of a sudden everybody has to upgrade and thereby you have to upgrade. So, so that shift from, it's not a matter of how many units you sell, it's the matter of empowering the the use of the material out there, right? So we gotta, we gotta shift from where we make the money Right. Um, 
I think that's probably the biggest change of all of these. That's probably the hardest part. You talked about that change is hard. Right? Here it's significantly more risky and it's a bigger, almost a bigger change ahead of us. And it's going to be interesting to see you know, how that plays out because then either you change <laughs> or somebody else comes with a smarter and better model, right? Wouldn't it be great if we, we and, and we're all, everyone's been talking about this for a while, wouldn't it be great that uh, from a circular economy perspective, you're designing products at the beginning, which are designed to be disassembled and repaired uh, along the way to keep them going for as long as possible. And then you have a subscription model, which is at a reasonable cost, not at a, a stupid high price. But the products that we're buying, um, when they get to a certain life cycle phase, they're able to go back uh, into the supply chain by through disassembly and they get remade into, into new products. So we keep these products going for as long as possible. We can lease them and rent them uh, over a five or six year period. And during that time, we may change once and, and give back and then it can kind of keep repeating and i think the the oems are coming up with the, this device as a service which is basically just another word for leasing but what they haven't figured out yet is the circular nature of um, what happens with the products at end of use or end of people use this end of life uh, phrase quite a lot hey my laptops are end of life end of service life <laughs> it's probably better <laughs> yeah it, well my laptop my 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 laptops are end of life. I have to go and buy new ones, and and then psychologically, what happens is people think recycling is a solution, but actually recycling is just waste. You know, once it's gone to recycling, that's kind of the end of the road, right? It doesn't get made into some magical nice things that people are then reusing. No, it it just gets ground up into dust, and you know, bits and pieces go all over the place, and it's really hard to to control that supply chain when it becomes in people's minds um, recycled or only suitable for recycled products so we always think it we always think in terms of end of use by that um, by that organization we can give it another life uh, for another three to five years and by the way at the end of that life and we're called circular computing for a reason we actually want our products back I don't care how old they are I want the products that I sell back uh, I can then put them back into my factory so they can get remanufactured again and they will find another use and another customer and have more value, will extend and prolong the life of those products for as long as possible. Our longest living product currently out there that we're still selling today to some schools that need them is 13 years old. And you make a business out of all of the all of these different versions. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, we have Windows 11 laptops that our public procurement customers are buying uh, with a five-year warranty, the same as some of our enterprise customers, but at the lower level, schools have no money. Also, there are a lot of um, uh, local, uh, local government, local councils that are trying to help people get back into employment. Imagine if you're someone today and you don't have any money and you're unemployed and you need to get a job but you don't have a computer. If you don't have a computer, it's almost impossible because you can't go online using your phone and do a CV. So we're helping a lot of um, programs in Europe currently in the moment. We've got a great one being run um, by the Belgian government, uh, another one by the UK government, which are trying to help people get back into employment. And the laptops that we're providing, 
at this kind of lower level. Um, they can't afford to buy brand new to just give these away for free. So these uh, laptops are helping bridge the digital divide. They're 13 years old, but no one, it, it doesn't matter that they're 13 years old because they're upgraded, got a new software operating system, which is really good. So Microsoft have a fantastic program uh, which allows us to relicense software from Microsoft uh, to give the latest operating system on these devices. And uh, that actually is a good thing that Microsoft are doing, allowing us to help prolong the life of these devices um, in these environments. I think it's really great to see and see how, again, you're capable of doing a solid business component of all of these different uh, versions of it, basically selling for different markets. And again, I think that's another trade that we often, that I often find in, in, in companies working with circularities is that you, you open up new markets, new segments, right? So, so it keeps having value rather than this old fashioned way of saying, well, now it's over. So it's valueless or at very low value, but here it's kind of like, no, it's just, it's still high value. It's just for somebody else. So. Let me give you a good story. So imagine this. Um, we have a customer that, that bought 6,000 devices from us, 6,000 Windows 11 devices. At the same time, they traded in uh, 4,000 of their older laptops, which had become end of use for them. We took those 4,000 laptops and we put them into our factory, remanufactured them back to brand new. We then put those 4,000 laptops into a government work program in the UK to help people get back into jobs. What an incredible story that the customer actually helped facilitate. Now, business as usual would be, I'm going to buy 6,000 brand new laptops. I'm going to throw the 4,000 away and I don't care where they go. And that's the end. That's it in a linear way. But in the circular thinking, the sustainable strategic thinking that they had, they're like, no, we can get the IT we need, we can save money, we can then use the older IT we're going to dispose of to remanufacture those, and then actually they can go on and do some good. And it's a fantastic, really good news story that internally this organization won an award for. Their employees voted the IT guys heroes for that year from a sustainable um, idea. And it was a very, very good story internally. I love that. I think actually this is, uh, I mean, we could definitely talk for, for a very long time on this. Uh, you and I, <laughs> I know, uh, but uh, I think this is a nice place to end because it also, again, sort of shines light on a new kind of hero here, uh, somebody that normally does not get a lot of, uh, respect and, and praises as you said. So, uh, so it just adds another win to this pallet of wins that you have in your solution, right? So I think I'll end it there. And uh, I'm kind of, thank you so much for sharing uh, your experience and your your insights. It's been really, really interesting. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people will find that as well. So thank you so much for for sharing it with us today. Jasper, it's been a pleasure and really appreciate time. And, and I hope everyone that's been listening uh, gets, you know, has has a lot of interest and takeaways from here. So please reach out, go to circularcomputing.com, have a look at all the sustainability pages we have there, and you've got some free download white papers. Uh, you don't need to leave your information. You can go there and find a lot more out on our website. 
You've listened to Green Business with Impact. You can get more insight on how to create circular business on bwimpact.com. If you want to get in touch, you are very welcome to connect with Jasper on LinkedIn. Just type in Jasper Steinhausen. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcast episodes, please contact Jasper, J-S, at bwimpact.com. Dot com.